Welcome to BIV Today. I'm Tyler Orton. Look, it's been a busy start to 2022 for BC's tech sector. It seems companies left and right have been shuffling their C-suites. So is this a sign of some sort of uncertainty or maybe it's a sign of growth prospects ahead? With us today to delve into that, it is Stephanie Hollingshead. She is CEO of the Tech and People Network, which up until today was known as the HR Tech Group. So uh, Stephanie, first of all, congratulations on the rebranding and thank you very much for joining us on the show today. Thanks for having me, Tyler. So I've been covering the tech beat now for eight years, and I don't know, maybe maybe it's just me, but have you noticed if this C-suite shuffling that we've seen over the last few weeks to kick off the year, is it a little bit more active than what we usually see? Absolutely, I think it is, yes. And what might that perhaps be a sign of? And maybe there's you know multiple factors going on, but what, what do you think it's indicative right now? You know, I think that there are, uh, a couple of trends uh, that are pushing that increase in executive movement. I think uh, sector growth is definitely one. The The tech sector is uh, experiencing tremendous growth right now. When we looked at our uh, membership last year and asked them what their their headcount growth plans were, the, the average planned headcount growth for 2021 was 37% which is really high. So you think about all the additional hiring needed in a sector that's growing, and that plays out in in additional executive roles as well. And I think, you know, another big trend that's happening is remote hiring. And that's not that work from home, but true remote hiring. So remote roles, we, um, we, we're seeing that, excuse me, 20% of the voluntary turnover right now is people going to remote gigs for non-local tech companies. So you're seeing this influx of additional or sorry, international companies that are um, hiring uh, remotely. So, so that pressure on talent as well is happening. I think that's driving some of the movement as well. And I, I, you know, I think you, you couple those two trends, excuse me, with a, I think a backlog of career moves. So there's, you know, people that were staying put for the first maybe six, 12 months of COVID, <clears throat> you know, not, not wanting to make a move. And uh, so you have a lot of people that were restless that were, have been wanting to make a move for a while. So I think we're seeing that catch up in career movement and reshuffling happening as well. Well, it's kind of curious to think about what this trend towards remote hiring means for the tech sector, because on one hand, we could be losing workers to other jurisdictions or at least companies based in in other cities while these workers are working here. Uh, On the other hand, maybe it just makes it all that much easier for us to compete with uh, for top level talent if we're able to recruit a lot of uh, executives that would otherwise not want to uproot their family and, and move from, say, the Bay Area up to Vancouver. Uh, this trend, do you think it is overall good for the tech sector or mm-hmm. is it a bit of a, a wash at this point? <laughs> Depends how much you want to pay. Sure. Um, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> overall, good i think because it does expand just like you said the the, the opportunities for people they they want to live and work and play in beautiful british columbia they can and they can have career moves 
um, that are outside of here. So that's very enticing for people. Um, and also companies, as we see with some of these openings, we're seeing them um, announce uh, new executives that, that that live elsewhere, even though the company's headquartered here. So it you know it really is, I think, a positive. But the pain point that comes with that is the pressure on compensation. We're seeing uh, really high upticks in uh, in what companies are needing to pay for people. It's becoming more of a global market. Could that perhaps stymie growth to a certain degree if they're diverting some of their budgets towards that those wage costs versus some of the other costs that they'd rather be focused on? I would think so, yeah. Well, yeah. you've got so much money. How much are your uh, can you spend on, on R&D and other new innovations uh, if your, your salary costs are increasing? It'll, it'll be an interesting shift as that pressure gets bigger and bigger. Well, one of the companies that I've noticed has been very active with recruiting uh, from, uh, say, the United States for executives has been Hootsuite. And at this point, they have exactly one executive left in their C-suite that's actually based in Vancouver. That's their chief people officer. And I'm not asking you to, to uh, necessarily speak about Hootsuite in particular, but but what does it mean if uh, the top-level managers, the, the top executives for a quote-unquote Vancouver-based company, what if they're not actually based in the city anymore? Does that have effects on culture, decision-making, if they're not there kind of on the ground level with a lot of the uh, just the everyday workers? So I can speak from experience from a previous company with that uh, very same setup, and absolutely, it does affect culture. I think I think you you've hit it on the on the head there. Um, when you have uh, just people from different different countries uh, in even different cities with within Canada, we don't realize the differences in in company cultures in these different markets, but they really are there. And that's not to say they're always different. Um, sometimes there's a very good match between those particular individuals and that company culture. Um, but if it isn't a strong match, then you see that company culture shifting, right? Because that is tone is being being set by the top. So it, it does impact it. Yeah, I think so. One of the other things I, I'm curious about, and I keep going back to, and I, I've spoken to a lot of executives, and they haven't been that concerned about the possibility of them relying on cheaper labor that they could hire remotely from, say, countries like India, you know, where, where the labor costs aren't going to be expensive if you need a software developer that would be based, you know, in another country. Um, people have been like, no, no, you know, uh, we are true believers in the Vancouver talent and what we're going to be paying them. But what's your takeaway on this particular potential though? Do you think it is a possibility that some of these companies that maybe if they're paying more for these top executives, they'd have to look elsewhere uh, to other jurisdictions where labor costs may be cheaper for some of those, you know, engineer roles or developer roles moving forward? Possibly, but that's become a global market over the years too. Mm -hmm. And we've seen some of those differentials really shrink so they're not that striking. <laughs> the savings aren't as compelling as they used to be. Uh, I mean, they're definitely still less expensive markets, absolutely. And, and Canada continues to be one of those in comparison to the U.S. for sure. Um, but you see those uh, as those pr- upward pressure on salaries in those markets to match a more global uh, remote marketplace um, you see that differential being less of an impact and then people are looking 
lo more locally for talent because it's a more known entity, right? They they know what they're getting more uh, if they're they're hiring from the local market. That said, I mean companies are hiring remote people all over the place right now. Well, it's just been amazing. Like I, you know, I'm sure you can attest to this, but as I mentioned, I've been covering the, this beat almost a decade and it just, it doesn't seem to have been as busy uh, ever before maybe the last two years of the pandemic. Um, just, I, I don't know if you kind of uh, have that same feeling going on, but what, what do you think might be, is it just kind of macroeconomic issues going on? Is it just kind of this pent up uh, demand for investments or is it kind of a recognition that uh, BC is been uh, floating a little under the radar and uh, big investors are, are taking notice now? I think so. It's uh, there, there seems to be money to be <laughs> money to be had these days. Like, like you said, like we've never seen before. And, um, you know, it really feels like the, the floodgates have opened a bit, which is, is which is amazing. Um, we have an incredible talent pool in BC. Uh, and, you know, I think a, a good test of, so what's happening in the market is often the, the demand for uh, recruiters or, or talent acquisition specialists. And uh, I have never seen, you know, probably 25 years, and I have never seen so many organizations trying to hire recruiters and talent acquisition specialists. So, I mean, it tells you just how tight the market is right now for for talent and that would be at, at all levels not just at you know at the executive level well and, and you know on that note I, I spoke to an executive last week uh his company is expanding it, it's an american financial technology company to they are expanding here in vancouver further they mm -hmm. originally had plans to open a 50-person office and over two years it's now at 120 people and he was telling me that uh, one of the big appeals of coming to Vancouver was the diversity within the city. But I want to ask you this, though, because I know you've done a lot of research into that. Um, to what degree is the diversity of Vancouver being reflected within the diversity of the tech sector right now? <laughs> one of my favorite questions. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, not there yet. Um, it, you know, there are definitely uh, gaps, right? And uh, your association is, is tracking those gaps. And I'm hoping we'll be able to see that shift over time. But if you look at, you know, the number of people with uh, disabilities, uh, much lower in, in the tech sector than in the general population, number of Indigenous people working in tech is less than 1%. Uh, whereas the population, it's at um, I think 6%, depending on where you're measuring that population. Um, so there were some real gaps, some real lack of representation. Women, um, definitely less than 50% women in tech, particularly when you get into technical roles, senior executive roles, you, you see real gaps. Um, newcomers to Canada uh, and people of color, we see smaller gaps uh, in the tech sector. I think there has been a lot more diversity there. However, there's that diversity is often at the lower levels again. And as you um, look at more senior levels in the company, that diversity does drop. So room to improve across the board, but incredible momentum there within the sector in terms of the work being done to make those shifts. And, and that's, I think we're going to start seeing in the next few years, some real shifts in this, um, in the makeup of the, of the sector, which is exciting. Yeah, it, it's interesting because yeah, I, I've spoken to some 
tech companies over the years, and they seem to have been on the ball you know, over the last you know uh, number of years. And then mm-hmm. do you get the sense that just some other tech companies have only recently woken up to that? And I'll just point out, you know, kind of what we saw with, uh, say, the uh, George Floyd killing. I think that's what woken, uh, awakened a lot of people. I'm, I'm wondering to what degree that's had maybe an impact on this sector as well. I think it's had a huge impact, huge impact. Employees that were demanding, you go back to 2020, employees were uh, looking at their employers and saying, what What are we doing? What are you doing? Do I Am I proud to work this company? What's this company's stance here? Um, are we, um, how inclusive is our in, in work environment? How diverse is it? Uh, what, what are we doing as an organization? What do our uh, outputs look like for a, a game developer? How, you know, what, what do the characters in our games look like? Um, so employees were asking a lot of questions as were leaders. And uh, I, I think there's been a huge collective awakening and learning as well uh, that we all have undergone in the last couple of years. So I've seen a huge shift, massive. Well, I'll leave it off with this. Uh, you know, up until uh, this morning, you were known as the HR Tech Group. Uh, you're now uh, CEO of the Tech and People Network, or, or TAP. Uh, tell me a little bit about uh, HR Tech Group's uh, rebranding into uh, TAP Network. For sure, yeah. So as an association, we are 30 years young this year, which is exciting. Uh, and we've been HR Tech Group for the past 16 of those years, and so, like I said, now today we are TAP Network, and you know the, the reason for this shift is our community is really evolving. Uh, it's moving away from the term HR, uh, and we've also grown tremendously. We've grown beyond BC as an organization. Uh, we actually had seventy uh, percent growth in the last three years, and we're really we're now we're a unique peer network in Canada's tech sector, and we really wanted our name to showcase that. So that's why we've changed our name to Tech and People Network. Excellent. Stephanie, I always appreciate you making time to chat with BIV. You're always super insightful. I just want to thank you once again for joining us on the show today. My pleasure, Tyler. Thanks for having me. That is, of course, Stephanie Hollingshead. She is CEO of the Tech and People Network, and that is it for the show today. But you can go to BIV.com. There are more interviews, stories, videos, what have you, all on our website, as well as a print edition is out every Monday, as well as our monthly magazines. In the meantime, I just want to thank everyone for listening. I'm Tyler Orton.